Hi, everybody, and welcome once again to our Midweek Bible Study 2022 Fall Edition. I'm Pastor Tim with Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas, and it is my joy to be with you on this Wednesday, November 9th. We're continuing in our study of 2 Corinthians. If you've missed any of the previous studies, you can catch up right here on this media platform. You know, in the course of any given week, I have the privilege of speaking to a lot of people. Often that conversation is about the struggles and hardships that they're going through. But we always seem to end up on the thought that in spite of those struggles and or hardships, God is there and he helps. In today's passage, we're going to talk about Paul's hardships. We'll read about his commendation of himself and his co-workers to the Corinthians, but it wasn't considered bragging. He also offers evidence that they have not been false apostles. Rather, they have faithfully represented Christ through every kind of suffering, and God's power has been obvious in and through them. He finishes by stating warmly that his heart remained wide open to the church in Corinth, and he asked them to open their hearts to him again. I'll tell you more in a moment, but right now, join me for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this amazing opportunity we have to study your word again. Thanks for all that have come to join as well. Lord, we give you the glory and honor, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everybody said, Amen. All right, open up your Bible or Bible app to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 3 to 13, and let's find out what's going on. Starting with verse 3. We put no obstacle in anyone's way, so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left. Through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak as to children, widen your hearts also. All right, let's unpack this passage today. Starting with verse 3, it says, We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. Here's the question. In this verse, Paul continues to share with the Corinthians his motivation for his ministry to them. What is he saying in this verse, and why and how is that applicable to us today? In everything he did, Paul always considered what his actions communicated about Jesus Christ. That's why he was so careful to be straightforward, honest, and upright. Any wrongdoing or anything that was perceived to be wrong might distract from the gospel message and cause people to find fault with their ministry. The reason Paul continued to tell the Corinthians this was they had begun to doubt his credentials and more importantly, his authority over them. We've been talking about that now for several chapters, in fact. As to how this applies to us today, if you're a believer, you are a minister for God. In the course of each day, non-Christians observe you. Don't let your careless and undisciplined actions be another person's excuse for rejecting Christ. Next up, verses 4 and 5. 
But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, by great endurance, in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, and hunger. Question is, how does Paul say servants of God should commend themselves? Well, right off the bat, Paul says that he and his companions commend themselves through great endurance. That's really important. Don't gloss over that. It's really the key to this whole answer. I believe he's saying that this is how servants of God should commend themselves to the world, not just then, but right now today too. It's not about making a name for themselves or by drawing attention to themselves or by being flashy or elevating oneself. We need to have a mentality as servants of God for having great endurance. Take a look in these verses at what Paul endured for Jesus. Look at verse 4. He endured afflictions, hardships, calamities. Then in verse 5, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger. The response of a servant of God in such circumstances is what? It's great endurance. Look, being a Christian isn't easy. The Corinthian Christians are discrediting Paul and his companions because they are suffering and experiencing hardship. We have not simply been saved from sin, but we have been saved to be servants of God who possess great endurance. This is a consistent trait of God's people. Now, if I may, just a note to the side here. Take a look at Hebrews 11, verses 35 to 38. Take a moment, just turn right over there. Hebrews 11, verses 35 to 38. These verses read, Some were tortured, refusing to accept release, so they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves on the earth. So why does God give us that picture in Hebrews 11? Well, turn back one chapter to the end of chapter 10, Hebrews 10, 36 through 39, and listen how the writer introduces that paragraph that we just read. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. So here's the point I'm trying to get at. So receiving the grace of God in vain would mean that we would not have endurance, but we would shrink back and would be destroyed in a time of difficulty. The grace of God gives us greater endurance because we know what we have. We've been reconciled to God. Our sins are not counted against us. God made Christ the sin sacrifice for us so that we can be pronounced righteous by God. And so we reveal ourselves to be servants of God when we show great endurance through the greatest of life's difficulties. Next up, let's look at verse 6. It reads, By purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, Holy Spirit, genuine love. Clearly a continuation from 4 and 5. But here's the question. In the midst of his list of the difficult situations he faced for the cause of Christ, Paul listed five character traits of an effective minister of the gospel right here in this verse. What are they? First, Paul and his co-workers acted in purity. Do you see that? To be pure means to be free of any contamination. Paul's actions and thoughts were pure. 
Paul may have had in mind a phony preacher's motivation, such as greed and self-interest, which were contaminating the messages of many of the preachers who had visited Corinth. Second, he and his co-workers had knowledge of the gospel message. Christ had revealed to Paul the mysteries of salvation. Paul understood the gospel, and he knew he had to communicate it clearly. Now, I'd like to share a little side note based on this part of my answer. Now, this word mystery, if you look over in Ephesians 3, it highlights a special message revealed to Christians through Paul and the apostles who received it as a revelation from God. The mystery revealed to the apostles and the prophets, according to Ephesians 3.5, introduced three aspects. First, that Gentile and Jewish believers in the Messiah are now equal members in the spiritual family. Second, Gentiles are members of the same body with Jewish believers. The church, from the very beginning, consisted of all people who believed in Jesus, not merely those of Jewish descent. And third, the gospel was not limited to Jews, but was available to all who would believe. Romans 1.16. Now, the third thing that we find in this verse, the third thing they had, was patience. Paul had learned patience through all of these difficult situations that we just listed. In the end, though, any patience he had was from the Holy Spirit. For in Galatians 5.22 and 23, Paul explicitly stated that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The Holy Spirit is empowered all of their efforts. Fourth, they treated others with kindness. Through the Spirit's power, Paul had learned to consider others' needs above his own, realizing how much God had done for him. Paul sought to show the same type of mercy to others. And lastly, they had genuine love. The self-sacrificial love that Jesus had shown to the Corinthians when he died for them on the cross was the type of love Paul attempted to emulate in his ministry. Next is verse 7. Let's take a look at that. It reads, By truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left. The question is, although Paul and his co-workers had encountered all kinds of opposition when they preached the good news, this verse says they continued to do so. How did they do it? And by whose power and what weapons did they have? So three parts to that question. Paul says they continued to preach by what? It says, by truthful speech. That's what the first part is. Although traveling preachers were deceiving the Corinthians with a false gospel, Paul and his crew had the power of God working in them to continue bringing the truth. Even more, they had righteousness as a weapon with which they could attack and defend themselves. You know, a Roman soldier would arm himself with a full-length shield in his left hand and a spear in his right hand. No Roman soldier was fully prepared for battle without both weapons. Ephesians 6 verses 10 to 18 lists, along with righteousness, the other spiritual weapons. They consist of the gospel message, the truth of God's word, and faith. In order to resist the devil, Christians need to not only immerse themselves in the truths of God's word and the gospel itself, they need to put their faith into action. The righteousness God gives Christians through faith in Christ should be evident in the way they live. Then Christians will be able to withstand Satan's attacks. Next, let's look at verses 8 through 10. They read this way. Through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold, we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, 
yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. The question is, this passage contrasts how God evaluated Paul's ministry with how his critics saw it. Would you explain a little bit more with me? A pastor's job is to confront people with the truths of the gospel, but sometimes this responsibility is neglected because a pastor is more concerned about being liked. The traveling preachers in Corinth were like that. They had told the Corinthians what they wanted to hear. Instead of worrying about the reaction of his audience, Paul focused on whom he was serving, which is God. He would serve God whether he was honored or dishonored, whether he was slandered or praised. No flattery or insult would distract Paul from preaching the good news. God's evaluation mattered most to Paul, for he had his sights set on eternity, not on the temporary conditions of the present. The paradox was that though Paul and his co-workers were completely honest, they were still being accused as imposters. They had renounced all deceptive means to communicate the holy message of God. They used no tricks or games. Instead, Paul preached the truth with a genuine frankness and with the power of God himself. Paul's preaching and actions were well known, but as he wrote in verse 9, he was treated as unknown. Some considered his message as foolishness. 2 Corinthians began with an explanation of how Paul had faced death in Asia Minor, but yet he's still alive. Paul had been beaten on numerous occasions for preaching the gospel. And in addition to hardships, Paul's ministry involved mental anguish. Paul had agonized over the Corinthian spiritual welfare as well as the welfare of other churches. He had spent night and day in prayer, committing these churches and their congregations to the Lord. Although the hearts of him and his co-workers would ache over the churches, they were filled with joy because they knew what their spiritual struggles would accomplish. Being poor was another hardship, but through his deprivation, Paul had learned to be content with what God had given him. Check out Philippians 4 verse 12. For Paul knew that he already possessed everything, that is, the riches of a kingdom that would last forever. And now the final verses in today's passage, verses 11 through 13. They read, We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak as to children, widen your hearts also. The question is, Paul's transparency in his words to the Corinthians continued in these closing verses. What is Paul's tone, and why do you think he used such a tone? Paul had been completely straightforward with the Corinthians. His transparent honesty is mentioned in numerous places throughout this letter. But critics in Corinth were accusing Paul of some sort of deception. Paul hoped that the very fact that he was cataloging his own weaknesses and sufferings before the Corinthians would testify to his openness. Paul had revealed his true feelings for the Corinthian believers. He and his co-workers had no lack of love. But the Corinthians were withholding their love from them. As Paul would explain in this letter, any harsh words he had for the Corinthians came from his deep love for them. He wanted them to grow in the faith. Paul hoped his sincerity in this letter, the way he opened up about his life to the Corinthians examination, would prompt them to also open their hearts to him. As founder of that church, Paul had fatherly affections for the Corinthians. He had spent hours agonizing over the believers' spiritual welfare and had worked hard for them. But like rebellious children, the Corinthians had returned Paul's concern with a cold heart. Although Paul could have commanded and disciplined them, he merely pleaded with them. 
He wanted to give them a chance to reform their ways. Well, folks, we've reached the end of today's study. We've been talking about Paul's hardships. And if I could roll all of this up that we've talked about today for you in one sentence, it would be this. Expect to suffer for Jesus, but expect joy and even life to come through that suffering. I hope this study has been enjoyable to you, but I also hope that it challenges you in how we continue forward to share the gospel and regardless of circumstance, to trust in God's provision in watching over all of this and being with us as we go through. Next time, we'll be studying 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 to the end of that chapter, and then crossing over into chapter 7, verse 1. And we're going to talk about the temple of the living God. Amen. You don't want to miss that for sure. Well, thanks again for being with me today. I greatly appreciate it. On behalf of all of us at Word of Hope, thanks for taking time. We pray blessings over you. We hope that you have a terrific rest of your day and week, and I'll see you right back here next time. Until then, God bless you. Go in peace. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for another encouraging message from God's Word. To find out more about our ministry, look us up on the web at www.whccnb.org. Word of Hope Christian Church. Real people. A real God. Real hope.